get you thinking. What comes to mind when you think of this idea of reconciliation? And you can answer. It's not a rhetorical question. What comes to mind when you think of the word reconciliation? Stolen generation. Stolen generation. Yeah, good answer. There's no right or wrong answers, by the way. It's just what, you, what you're thinking. Anyone else? Recon no accountants here? Yeah. Jen. Making things right. Yep. What else? Reconciliation. Karen. Yeah, beautiful. Yep. Healing the hurts. Yep. We're starting to get a bit of a picture. Pretty special. I started out thinking of looking at forgiveness and thought, you know, forgiveness is a component of reconciliation. Reconciliations are it's just such a beautiful thing to see what's amiss, put right and relationships restored. Um, the Oxford Dictionary describes reconciliation as the restoration of friend friendly relations or the action of making one view or belief compatible with another or the action of making financial accounts consistent. Okay, the need for reconciliation comes because something's amiss. Something's not right and it needs to be addressed. I started to think back to when I was a young fellow, as far back as I could go. When I was about four, I could be difficult and I often pitted my powerful three foot six frame against my two scrawny six foot brothers and um, it took all their might <coughs> to hold me at arm's length and then they would, they would say this calming, soothing thing and they would just say, fuss pot, fuss pot, you're a little fuss pot. <laughs> and you know, I could nearly punch their elbows. <laughs> and I think they were much older than me, I think I just wanted equality. Uh, but I wanted it on my terms. Some of you may have far more painful early memories. We quickly learn that we can't always get what we want. Life can seem unfair and some people don't seem to care. We all feel the tension of broken relationships, the hurt from it. As we read through the Bible, I think it's apparent that the restoring of broken relationships is a major theme. I believe it's an insight into the heart of God. And it resonates with us because we're made in his image. The Apostle Paul, at around AD 55, writes what we know as the second letter to the Corinthian church in Greece. He wants to address the work of false teachers who were causing compromise in the church and also challenging Paul's integrity and authority. Paul reaffirms important truths about our relationship with God and our conduct as followers of Jesus. Whilst we have the assurance of a place in eternity, we're encouraged in this letter to be on about the business of reconciliation. So Anne-Marie, would you like to come up, please? And we've got it on the screen. Anne-Marie's going to come up and read this passage from 2 Corinthians where the word reconciliation is used a few times. and therefore all died. But And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, In the time of my favour, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. Thanks, Emma. Lord, may we hear what you want to say to us today, to stir us, Lord, to, uh, to consider your word and to consider your relationship in our lives. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. In verse 15, Paul appeals to his readers. In the light of what Christ has done for them, that they're not to continue living as they used to in the world. There's no place for selfishness or pride in status or slander. As people who now live in Christ and in Christian fellowship with each other, we're encouraged to put aside selfish ambition and to seek what is good for unity and for effectiveness in this message of the good news of Jesus. And you think of your own life. What does surrendering to God look like? I love to hear, I love times when, when we get up and share stories of what God's been doing in the day-to-day -day and also our own story of how we came to God how we came to God through Jesus. I've kept this message short to allow time for me to involve you in some of my questions, so get ready. <laughs> no pressure, no wrong answers, but I just think we, we, we share the path of learning. So thinking back to when you were first considering the message of Jesus, could someone briefly share what was involved? Briefly. Perhaps what they had to hand over in coming to Christ. Maybe something that you had to wrestle with. You don't have to get too personal, but... Has anyone got something that they share? I've, I've, I've thrown it on you, so I'll leave a little bit of thinking time. What were you working through? What was involved when you first had to hand over, when you first uh, were coming to Christ and there was things in your life you had to hand over? Anyone want to be brave enough and venture something? Ken. Joy, thank you, Lord. It's good. It's good. What else? We've all had to work for stuff. Sam.
Yep. Yep, good. Good. He's at work. He's a living God. It's not words on a page. Anything else? Mark. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Thank you. God's at work. For me, it was quite humbling because in getting serious with God, I think um, you see and are disappointed in your own sin and pride. You see the stuff in your life that uh, is not pleasant. There's plenty to regret, it was for me, and, and plenty to be sorry for, and there's really nothing you can boast about. There's nothing you can hold up and say, oh, I did this, or I'm, I'm good because of this. You know, At that place, putting it all before God, you're just ready to hand it over. You're happy for him to deal with it. And that's, a, I guess, a lifelong journey, isn't it? It doesn't happen all in, in one hit, but um, God wants to deal with us. As Paul appeals to us in verse 20, he says, Be reconciled to God. And we see that this comes not from our own effort, not from the things we do, but from abandonment to and dependence on Christ. In Christ, we are reckoned as and become the righteousness that allows us to be right with God and reconciled before God. And I think that's the important point to grasp, verse 17 and 19. The old is gone, the old's gone, and new has come because we're in Christ. It just sounds finished, like the old is going, the new is coming. No, the old is gone, the new has come. We're seen as righteous by God because God no longer counts our sin against us. Thank you, Lord. You can say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> that is huge. God no longer counts our sin against us. So we endeavour to live in a righteous manner, not depending on this to be saved. It's not our own effort, but because Christ's love compels us and the Holy Spirit convicts us, that living in a righteous manner is a fitting, right and honourable response to God's grace and mercy. And as Christ's ambassadors, our lives should display the message and result of God's love, grace and mercy. Meeting with Christ and having the Spirit of God living inside will bring change. Maybe not as quick as we want, but it brings it. I want to recount a couple of stories here about change. Jenny and I used to work in a Christian rehabilitation centre, drug and alcohol rehab, uh, called Teen Challenge. And the motto there was restoring broken lives. This was a great opportunity to see the progression of God's work in changing lives. Recovering addicts would commit to a 12-month program of life rebuilding. One student, Terry, was a tradesman who had a family but had descended into the chaos of heroin addiction. His family pulled away as he eroded trust, became very unreliable and had frightening fits of rage. All focus was on the next fix. Another student, Troy, was early 20s and he daily used marijuana in just about any manner possible. His addiction was, had alienated his family and he moved from couch to couch or on the street and survive through crime. His temper was scary. How can God's message of re reconciliation impact these lives? 
In, teen challenge, in the Teen Challenge Chapel, there was a piece of driftwood screwed on the wall and on it was 2 Corinthians 5.17. The old is gone, new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. Each week, time was spent in listening and counselling through students' stories, their experiences, their hardships. There was class time each morning to study Christian principles in that daily practical living and work detail each afternoon for students to get reacquainted with responsibility and discipline and self-esteem and how far you can throw a shovel or a, <laughs> or a rake or whatever. It was, it was hard yakka. It was clear to see the work of the Holy Spirit in those who said yes to Jesus. There was still a wrestle with old habits that were hard to break but a steady renewing of the person was observable. But the message of Christ and the opportunity for reconciliation with God was something that many did not respond to. For Terry, the exhaustion from the battle was clear. Other approaches had been unsuccessful. He'd been in a few different rehabs. He wanted things to change, but he found it hard to believe that allowing God to intervene could deal with his craving and the adrenaline rush and also the grief and disappointment that he felt with himself. For Terry's self-destruction seemed inevitable. And tragically, Terry left and overdosed and his heart stopped. It's a sad day. For Troy, there was a lot of frustration. Very frustrated young man. He still remains the hardest post headbutter I've ever seen. He shook a building. <laughs> he was angry. But God's spirit was working in his life. And each week there was more softening and openness in following Jesus. It was a privilege to watch his life and the relationships with his family being restored. God lives and works in, 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 in our lives. Troy graduated from the program and he went on to work in youth ministry. So two men in desperate circumstances, both having the opportunity to hear the message of God's grace and love and mercy. I think God's spirit can stir in us, in us, great joy when a life is reconciled to him. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. But there's sadness and a sense of loss when someone has opportunity and hears the news but rejects it, it's not for them. We can't control who God draws to himself. He does put people on our hearts. He brings people across our paths, and that's for a reason. So we must be on about the ministry of reconciliation that God has given us. And just think, even a word that's spoken, and it might seem to be rejected, you know, that may take root and grow at another time and place. So, you know. Another question. Has anyone seen the program called Look Me in the Eye? Has anyone watched that? No one's seen it. Well, I must watch some obscure exotic TV channels. Who's, who's seen Look Me in the Eye? Hand up. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> it's quite interesting. It's a fascinating program because they get, they're in an old warehouse and two people who've maybe not seen each other for decades and there's hurt there, they get to meet each other. But they don't start talking or screaming at each other. They understand that they come into a room from different entrances and sit in a chair facing each other 
and spend five minutes not saying a word, just looking at each other in the eye, just looking into each other's eyes. And so much is said in the eyes. It's amazing. Anyone who's seen that program, can you briefly recount just the, 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 the main part of one episode, what was happening, one segment? Be brave. No one remembers? <laughs> I find it hard to remember him too. Sam? I saw that one too. And talk. Yeah. Yeah, it's powerful. It brings tears to my eyes. I just there's something so deep and so special about that. And as you watch the program, yeah, some there's, it's a, it's a great resolution, and some not quite what you're hoping for. Right? Yeah, um, it's powerful. It's pow- it's it's frightening. It's very vulnerable. Um, in the few sessions I saw, I was struck that often decades of distress for one person were over an issue that the other person had no idea was so deep and significant. Very powerful. Apart from the silent stare for five minutes, for those who've seen the program, what do you you think is a key to why the encounter is effective? Gary. Yeah, certainly brings back memories, it does. And you're right, and as they, they go away and think about what they're going to do, there's opportunity then to come back and talk. And a great part of that is listening. You know, if you, if you just sat down together, you might start, oh, you did this, you did this. No, they've had their stare, they come back and they listen. It's an opportunity to hear each other's perceptions, memories, hurts, misunderstandings. And it hits me as a key when we want to share the good news of Jesus. Because it seems like opportunities where people are genuinely open and interested don't come often. When they do, we may feel like we want to explain as much as we can and we just keep ravelling. But um, I don't know anyone who likes to be bombarded by relentless information. It's, it's got to be interactive. And I'm thinking Jesus and the woman at the well... Uh, Peter and Cornelius, Philip and the Ethiopian, there's, there's, there's questions and listening and understanding where people are coming from. I think a great place to start with reconciliation is in our, and, and that's with us with each other, us, us with people who are yet to follow Jesus. A great place to start is asking a question and then listening and listening to their story. Hands up who's ever tried to uh, solve it or better it or, or even just dismiss what's being said. It's easy to do that. But we need to listen 
and just listen and affirm that we've understood. And then there might be opportunity for your story. And that can end up being interactive. <laughs> and you may need to do some more listening. But when you share your story, part of your story involves God's story. And your story and God's story are part of everyday life because you've been reconciled to God. If you believe and follow in Jesus, you've been reconciled to God. A restored relationship with him through Jesus and this is good news to share. So in talking with people, there's going to be a number of issues that surface as we get to listen and speak with someone on a deeper level about God's story. So if you've had that opportunity, would anyone like to share maybe some of the issues, and I don't mean to share deep and personal stuff, but just issues that might have come up as you were talking to someone about Jesus, something that for them was a roadblock or an issue they had to deal with? John? Yep. right up there right <laughs> where did you find that book <laughs> yeah oh that's great yeah yep because you've built that relationship you've listened you've understood you haven't just written him off you've listened and understood and now you're responding to what he said and he's open to that's that's awesome we've got to be ready for anything haven't we any other things that come to mind? Just briefly, just things that might have come up. I was talking to a lady and she'd been in a religious school and every morning before they went into class, the teacher would line them up at the front door before they'd done anything and she'd send them into the room with a ruler whack on the hand. And she did not want to have anything to do with anything religious. That was her roadblock. Yep. What's some other things? that you've found in your conversations that come up that you have to talk about, have to listen to, Karen? Yep. 
Yep. We've got to hear it. And we have to address it. We've got to hear it, though. Um, things that, that come up might be evidence for the Bible's account. And so those Lee Strobel books are really good, Case for Christ, because he does a lot of investigating. Maybe uh, scientific objections. I can't believe the Bible because science has already told us this. Could be the hypocrisy of Christians that, you know, they're, they're trying to show us the way, but look what they do. It could be um, physical or mental abuse, maybe atrocities. I, I remember hearing a fellow who could never forgive because he'd been in a war and what the Japanese did had just... Yeah. Um, maybe working out which, of the, which religion's right. There's so many of them. Maybe uh, why has God allowed allow suffering in the world? All those sorts of things. For me at 17, it was dealing with a sense of emptiness and disappointment. I was very restless and frustrated and I couldn't find a sense of purpose in anything else. So I started investigating the things I'd learned in Sunday school and in, in youth group. So in listening to and talking with people, you've probably also found that a lot of people's stories contain an account of deep hurt and a difficulty or unwillingness to forgive. The torment and the bitterness in this can be very strong. People find it hard to forgive stuff that's been done to them. There's been terrible stuff done. We know that. It's terrible stuff done to people. And if you work in a school system, you know, the stuff little kids are dealing with, it's, it's heart-wrenching and the stuff that goes on around the world. But if I'm sitting talking with someone and that comes up, that there's someone that's done this thing and we'll talk and we'll listen, and after listening it may take quite a few times with that person, but I'll usually try to start suggesting to that person that it is good to look at this, start looking at this idea of forgiveness. Because in holding on to stuff, we continue as a victim. And that's not an easy place to go to for some people. It has to be very sensitive. But not talking about denial or pretense or dismissal, or, or, but actually acknowledging the offence is wrong and there's pain and, and the consequences with it, with it. But in light of that, still to make choices to forgive. In time, coming to a place of choosing to say, I'm no longer hanging on to this anger and this bitterness and this resentment and this right for revenge. That's a deep thing to come to for people. And if they'll hear it, God gives us a reason to forgive. He offers forgiveness for every wrong we've ever done. And we can find peace and comfort and support in him. I'm saying this in just a few lines, but for people, this is a hard and long journey. Um, if, like in the Look Me in the Eye program, though, sometimes it takes years to work up the, the courage to meet with a person and bring up that sort of stuff. So it can be frightening to make yourself so vulnerable and to risk losing it emotionally, and that's what the dad was struggling with. He wanted to rebuild things with his son, but he didn't want to lose it emotionally. And uh, you sort of felt like, just do it, just let it go, mate. <laughs> yeah, but there was some healing there. I'm not going to get you to say anything here, but I just wanted to give you a moment to briefly call, recall an occasion where you were asked for forgiveness by someone. Someone had done something and you were asked for forgiveness. And close your eyes if you want and just think when someone has asked you for forgiveness.
maybe doesn't happen as, as much as we might hope for. But I've got a mate who's very humble and he'll often ask a person for forgiveness if he senses he's, he's said or done something that's caused a problem or an issue in the relationship. What about the other way? Have you had an occasion where you've had to ask for forgiveness? Give you a moment to think about that. Yeah, you do? Yeah. And it leads to reconciliation. <laughs> it's good. We ask for forgiveness because we've got a strong conviction that something's not right. There's uneasiness, there's lack of peace, there's torment, tension, bitterness, frustration, depression maybe, regret, remorse. Being at odds, odds with someone, as we know, can be quite upsetting. And growing up, I didn't like conflict at all even though I used to harass my brothers, but I, I really, growing up, I didn't like it. And I'd often try and be a peacemaker by smoothing things over. Oh, no, it's, it's, uh, don't, don't worry about it, you know. And um, I tried to resolve both sides of someone else's argument. It wasn't even my business, but I just couldn't handle the tension. And it's a bit like, you know, scraping putty over untreated rust or um, putting a bandage over an infected gash. <laughs> You've got to deal with the issue. Um, reconciliation does not mean avoiding or denying the issue but addressing it. Both sides get to express what really happens for them, what really happened for them, and there may be anger, heartache, tears, apologies, forgiveness, new resolutions if all goes well. But conflict and facing these things doesn't have to end in chaos. It, it can bring closeness. We have such a short time in this life Death is ahead for all of us. In my thinking, Jesus' death and return to life still stands as the greatest event for good in all of history. Past, present, future eternity. Nothing else compares. And as such, it should change people's lives. It should change us. It should change our relationships. What does 2 Corinthians 5.15 say? And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. The restoration God has brought us through should inspire our desires to see others restored to him, to see us want to work for harmony and unity and effectiveness of the gospel. We're brothers and sisters. We're on this journey together and um, we live in this town, in, in this community. We live here, we work here, we fellowship together. And, um, you know, I think we have a good sense of being able to take things to each other and work things through and deal with issues, find forgiveness, be strengthened and move on and do God's work in this place. It's a good thing. I've I think it's a blessing. I find it a blessing to have you as my family. Thank you. Um, 
maybe a different talk to what you're expecting. But if, it, if it's brought up anything in you that you feel you, you need to choose through more or resolve, you know, I'd be happy to sit and listen and pray through. If there's something that you want to talk about, pray through. At the end of the service, just come up and, and we'll talk and pray. Um, or if there's other people you need to talk to that, that are close to you, don't put it off, do it. We need to be on about reconciliation. Um, thank you, I'm going to pray. Thanks, Lord, that you love us so much. It's amazing. You're the creator of the universe. We're just such a speck in the universe, and yet you've made us. Made us in your image. Made us for relationship. And you want us to have good relationships, that we be right with you. You've made the way for us to be right with you through Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And you've made a way that we can be right with each other through addressing issues and talking, being honest with each other, asking for and giving forgiveness. And you've made a way that we can be about the work of reconciliation, of bringing you to others, that we can listen to their story and share our story and share your story. Lord, we do so much want to see people come into good relationship with you. Just pray you uh, stir us. Give us the words, Lord. Thank you for your spirit that lives within us. That we can enjoy restored relationships. We can enjoy life now with you and life together with you and with each other for eternity. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.